Well, as I said, I want to kind of build a bridge a little bit today from uh, what Terrence had shared last week, but then also what we're heading into in these next few weeks. And so I'll give you just a real brief uh, recap of what he had shared last week. And so he shared about Samson. And one of the things that he said that really stuck out to me uh, last week was, is that Samson had unlimited ability or potential, but he had very unclear purpose. And how that that can play out in our lives is that many times is that God gives us opportunities, but because we don't understand our purpose, the reason that we got saved to begin with, how many of you realize that you didn't just get saved to be forgiven? Now, that's a key component, but that's not where it stops. And I say it this way, is that God didn't just save us from something. He saved us for something, too. You know, that's part of our vision around here is that what? Is that we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. And you're like, what does that mean? That means you need to settle yesterday. You got to take care of the things that the enemy meant to take you out. God wants to heal you so that you can move forward and help others. We want you to what? Discover your purpose. We want you to find out why are you on the planet? Because I, but it's important that you got to find out why you're here before you can do the last one, which is what? To go make a difference. You can go make a difference in a lot of things that you're not called to do. That God never intended for you to do. But yet, at the end of life, and, I, and I'll share some about this today, is that's all that matters. Is what did God create you for? And so, you know, he was sharing about that. And I'm sure he fired you up a little bit. And he's got a little bit of energy, doesn't he? Just a little bit. And uh, I've known him for 17, 18. He's been like that. The entire time I've ever known him. And uh, he just bounces off the wall. And uh, so, but uh, he was a blessing. So we're so thankful that he was here. But this morning I want to share some things with you. The title of my message is, and, and you'll understand as we get through this, why this title. But it says, what's in your house? What's in your house is the title of this message. And so I want to start off just kind of tying in a little bit from last week. But, you know, because you can hear a message like that. And man, you get fired up. and You're like, I'm ready to go do something. Like charge the mountain, but you don't know why. And you're like, well, what do I do? And so this morning, I want to share some practical things with you on how do I find my purpose? How do I like actually discover? It's like, okay, I believe God's got a purpose for me. Like, let's go do this thing. And what's my first step? I'm just really practical by nature. I just am. And uh, so I'm just kind of step by step, like, all right, let's figure this thing out. And, um, you know, and, and so here's the first thing. And this is the easy answer, but I'm going to say it. And then you're going to be like, I'm not sure what that means. Is that the easiest way to find out what your purpose is, is to actually submit to the Holy Spirit. And to say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're, the Bible says you're going to lead me and guide me into everything that God has for me. And you're like, okay, that sounds cool. How, wh- how do I do that? You know, and part of that is through a relationship. That's where the relationship with God comes. Because really our interactions with God today actually flow through the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a third of the Trinity. But that is how we experience God. That's how we hear from God. It's all of those things that are happening through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Another way to say it is that the Holy Spirit will be like a divine mentor. He'll be like a guide, somebody who will walk with you. Won't just tell you how to do everything, but he will walk with you and say, hey, do this, do that. He will lead you in things. But one of the principles that you have to know, because if, if you're like me, is that I get a goal in mind. Like, you know, hey, I want to start running. A marathon sounds good. Well, how many of you know I'm going to be in trouble if I go lace up the shoes and say, let's go find the nearest marathon and let's go run it. I'm going to make it to about 0.2 miles. 
and go, this was a bad idea. You know, it's 26.2 miles. I'm going to get to point two and be like, I should have thought this through. Why? Because there was some preparation involved. Or there should have been, I should say. And so there's a principle that I believe in and that I've seen in not just my life, but in many other lives. I see it throughout scripture as well. Is that God does not lead us by leaps and bounds. So many times we get a, God will give us a picture of something in the future and we will go, I want that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think God gives us a picture. Why? So that we can have something to look forward to that our faith can begin to work on. But we have to understand that God leads us through a process. That God leads us by what? Steps and stages. It, it doesn't just happen all in a moment. Is that what God and his purpose for you is really a discovery over time. And God is preparing us through the work of the Holy Spirit, preparing us for the very thing that he has for us. You know, I read a book one time and it, it, it made it, it, and it's really stuck with me, this phrase. And it said, if your dream for your life isn't intimidating to you, there's a good chance it's insulting to God. And I just thought, Ouch. In other words, if you have a picture in your heart and you think, oh, I got this. God has something better than that for you. He does. And it's available to you. But you have to understand is that it is a process. God is committed to you. And the truth is, is if he gave us the picture right away, it would ruin us. Because we wouldn't have been able to withstand the promise that God had for us. And so God leads us not through leaps and bounds, but through stages. And so we have to know this. And so I'll give you a biblical example of this. And I'm not going to spend much time on this, but most of you know about King David. Well, he wasn't always a king and he wasn't always a conqueror. But around the age of 12 to 13, David was anointed as the next king of Israel. And then he went back to the field. He was a shepherd boy. As a matter of fact, he was... Number eight, if I'm not mistaken, of his brothers. He was the youngest. And all the other ones had all the pedigree. They had all the looks. They had all the stuff that naturally we would look at. The prophet even walked up to, says, surely this is the one that the Lord has picked. Surely. And it's like, Lord's like, nope, that ain't him. And it gets all the way through all the brothers. And he, so the, the prophet asked David's dad and says, do you have another son? He's like, I got one little scraggly one out in the field. The, you know, there's some ways to interpret scripture that he was, had red hair and freckles and it's actually in there if you go kind of read it. In other words, he wasn't, I'll say this way. The prophet looked at one guy and he said, man, he's so good looking. He has to be the king. But when David showed up, the man of God looked at him and said, hey, that's him. He's the king. Well, David didn't become king for a long time. And David went back to the fields. And David was faithful with where God had called him. And, and one of the things that I believe about David is that he wasn't so concerned about being discovered as much as he was concerned about being developed. See, that's what the process of God is all about. Is that he wants to develop his character in us so that what? We can stand in the destiny that he has for us. We can stand in the purpose. We can be prepared for these moments. And in our culture, we live in a Instant gratification right now kind of culture. I mean, I don't remember a day without a microwave. I want popcorn. 
a minute 30, right? Or whatever. Depends on how you like it, I suppose. But I don't eat that much popcorn. But, you know, you throw it in the microwave. You ever tried to make popcorn like the old style kind of way? You had to wait for it. Now, I will tell you this. It is much better. It tastes much better. Why? Because there was a process. And when the process got sped up, the product wasn't as good. If you ever go to another nation, their fruit actually tastes better than ours. Because we take it off of the off the tree, off the vine, whatever it may be. We pull it before it's ripe because why? We're going to put it on a boat and ship it here versus going and taking it off the tree when it's ripe. Like I'll give you an example. I went to Africa and bananas were sweet. I was 24 years old. I'm like, I had no idea that bananas were sweet. Why? Because they went and literally cut it off the tree and handed it to me. Because it had ripened and there was a process. And so many times we want to shortcut God's process in our life. And we get frustrated many times in the, in the waiting. And yet God is saying, look, I need you to be developed for what I've called you to do. Is that there's a process involved. But if you will submit to the process, you will be ready when the destiny shows up. There's a famous old quote that says, success is when preparation meets opportunity. Many times we would just want to have success. But without some preparation, there is no success. And so the reason that David was able to stand before Goliath and do what he did was because he had submitted to God's process and he had actually developed a relationship in the Lord where no one had seen him. It was him and the sheep out there. And shepherds spent days in the fields away from everybody. And David had begun to learn and understand who God was and, and even what the nature of God. And so when Goliath stood up and began to yell insults about God, David's reaction was, who are you talking about? Because that's not the God that I serve. And you can go read the story, long story short, David ends up on the battlefield, but not with all the armor that Saul tried to put on him. Because David said, I don't know how to use your armor. He said, let me go get some stones because I know how to use those. And I have a slingshot that I've practiced a lot with. And I know how to do that. And he said, God will use what he has already developed me to use, train me to use, to bring about his purpose. And I don't know what Saul was thinking, who was king at the time. He probably thought, I'm sending this 17-year-old boy to go get butchered by a soldier. And yet, that is not at all how the story goes. Is that David walked out there and didn't say, hey, I'm one bad boy with this slingshot. He didn't walk. He said, you have defied the army of God. And he said, he will give me victory today. I'm not going to do this. The Lord's going to do this. He takes his sling and that rock and. He wins. It's a great victory. He. You know, through the process of time, David becomes one, considered one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. But it happened out in the field, not on the battlefield. It happened out in the middle of the night because what David thought preparation needed is that God knew all along what was coming. And he said, David, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me. And we're going to have to be willing to, what, to allow the Lord to shape us and fashion us the way that he sees fit, not the way that we see fit. 
Because I can tell you, and I can give you many examples in my own life where God put me in circumstances and situations. And I'm like, God, this has nothing to do with what you've, you've called me to do. And yet God would say nothing. But looking back on it now, I see where it had everything to do with what God had called me to do. I just couldn't see it in the moment. So I had to what? Trust the process. Even though I didn't want to. Even though it felt like, God, you have forgotten me. Like I'm back here in the on the back heels with the sheep. Like, God, what am I supposed to do? And sometimes we can feel that way. But see, the truth is, is that David was faithful because David would have never gone to the fields as his dad not have called for him and been where he was supposed to be, number one, and then also went and did what his dad told him to do. That was what the, the whole story is. And so, he, and so there is this principle, and we hear it many times, is that if we want to do something greater, we need to figure out what we need to be doing now. You know, we, we, we have this scripture, and it's in Luke 16. It talks about verses 10 through 12, really, you can kind of get it in context. But it talks about being faithful in little. That God will what? Give you more responsibility. He, he will give you more potential, if you will. Why? But it starts because you've been faithful with what you have. So many times we look so far ahead and say, I want that. You know, like I was watching a little golf yesterday. I'm not a golfer, by the way. I should be, you know, because you can't be a pastor without being a golfer. That's what I'm told. And, uh, you know, I don't quite, whatever. But man, I, I look on TV and I'm like, man, that looks simple. That guy just reaches back. I mean, I played baseball. I can't be that different. You got something? To hit it with, you got a ball. It can't be that different. It's a lot different. Namely, I knew how to make that ball in baseball go wherever I wanted it to. I can make it over there, I'll make it over there, I'll make it over here. I knew how to do those things. I don't have that same ability when it comes to golf. I say go straight and it goes way left. (laughs) You know, it's like, is that my ball? Like, surely that's not mine. I think mine went that way, you know, or it goes the other way. And it, you know, every once in a while, the Lord has mercy on me and I actually hit one straight and I'm like, I can't do it. Why? I see what other people do. And I think, man, I wish I did that. I just didn't go through the process that they did to get that good. And sometimes we can see what God does with other people and we can say, man, I wish God would use me like that. But are you willing to pay the price? Because there's always a price. There always is. And and, and so many times we can, and and a lot of times it's not a price. And when I say pay the price, I don't mean like in this massive big way. I mean, a lot of times it's in really small things that no one else will ever see. But it's in those, those, the, the dark seasons, those dark moments that nobody else ever sees where God says, you're proving your faithfulness right here. Your diligence to do these things. And so it's important. And, and I hope that you know this. Maybe you don't, but that you are here by design, not by chance. Every single one of us, I believe from the scripture, is that God gives us purpose before we ever breathe. The Bible says in the womb, God gives purpose. I would actually hold to that. I believe that God never created a person without the, per, without the purpose first. And so every one of us has a God given purpose that we have to understand that I am here for a reason. 
It's not just by chance. It's not by mistake. Is that there's a very defined reason for you to exist right now. There's a reason that God has for you to wake up tomorrow. And we have to understand this. And I want to use a story. And it comes out of 2 Kings. It's in the Old Testament. And I want to share the story about a widow here. Because I think there's such a powerful principle when it comes to being faithful right where you are. And in the season that you're in right now. And so I want to read to you a couple of verses here. It comes out of 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read seven verses to you. But this is the story of a a widow who had some debts that she needed to be paid. And so we're going to read her story. And then I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts before we wrap up today. But it starts in verse 1. It says that one day the widow of a member of the group of the prophets came to Elijah. So I have to explain this to you. Is that these were, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. In other words, he was, uh, God didn't speak to everybody under the Old Testament. He spoke to a select group of people. Namely, prophets and priests. So there are two groups. So basically, you had prophets who would hear from God and they would speak for God. Because people didn't have the ability because of Jesus hadn't come yet. So God couldn't deal with man personally. He dealt with individuals. So there was this thing called the school of the prophets. Basically, think of it this way. There was the prophet and he had interns. That would be a modern translation. So this man actually had served Elijah. And so this lady who was his wife comes to Elijah and says, my husband who served you is now dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Now, culturally, women didn't work. I'm not anti-women working. If you want to work, knock yourself out. Have fun. But in this culture, women didn't work. So her husband has now passed away. I mean, this is a pretty dire situation, right? Because she has, what, no way to make income. But now she has this bill that she may or may not even have known about. And Elijah responds and he says, what can I do to help you? Like, you're coming to me, what can I do? And then he asks this important question, and this is where really the title for this message comes from. And it's so interesting, it says, tell me, what do you have In the house. What do you have in the house? See, she came to Elijah saying, I have a problem. You need to help fix it because my husband worked for you. My husband served you. My problem is now your problem, Elijah. And so many times we will approach God this way. We'll pray and we'll ask God to work and we'll ask God to move. And we're saying, God, you need to do this. And God, you need to do that. And you need to. And all along, God is asking us this question. What do you have in the house? Let me say it another way. What do you already have in your hands? Because the reality is, is the answer to our prayers. Many times we already possess it. We just don't know it. Or let me say it this way. We've not recognized it. Why? Because many times it's in the form of a seed. It's a small thing. It doesn't seem significant. Therefore, we overlook it. And, and again, I'm talking about even in your purpose. Your purpose for your life and what God has called you for is not as hard as you think to figure out. As a matter of fact, I could spend a little bit of time with you, find out about your personality, and I could at least point you in some generalized directions in a very short period of time. Because I believe that everything, everything in our life 
is a sign that God is using to point us in a direction. You're like, give me an example. Some people are more friendly than others. You realize that's a gift. That's not just a personality. Some people are administrative by nature. I lean more towards this. If I walk in this room, I notice that rows aren't straight. Some of you could care less. Some of you are like, you're really that anal? Yes, I am. Yes, it's a gift. Okay? It is a gift from the Lord. Sometimes my wife tells me, you know, we'll be in conversation. She's like, you talk too much. I'm like, it's a gift. I have to remind her, you know, it's a gift. So if you're married in here, feel free to use that line. When your spouse complains about something, like it's a gift. When your spouse is messy and they tell you it's a gift, just say, praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. It's a gift. I'll give you an example of this because another example in my own life here. But, you know, me and Derek have traveled a lot through the years as far as this trips. We've always liked to go. And, but, man, like, to me, it's like the Le Mans. I, I've got a time frame in mind. Maps tells me I can make it in five hours and 28 minutes. I'm going to do everything to beat that time. And the more minutes I can shave off of it, the better. And Derek's like, enjoy the journey. <laughs> I'm like, I will when I get there. And I'm going to set a land speed record while I do it, too. Low-level flying, you know. I've gotten many souvenirs through the years doing that, but that's another subject. Getting back to Scripture here. I quit telling on myself. See, you do have giftings, though. There is something in you already. And the reality is you probably don't see it at all. You just think everybody's this way. And the truth is, it's not. But if you would begin to even ask some of the people around you, hey, what do you think I'm good at? They're going to tell you, and be like, you're not, you're not good at that? No, not at all. Some people are naturally gifted like in math, right? Some people are in other subjects. Some of you just like threw up a little bit in your mouth. <laughs> I graduated. I don't want to talk about math anymore. Like, you know, but that, that's a gift. And I'm telling you, all of these things, I mean, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and I can already see things in them that I'm like, I can see. I'm not saying that I'm prescribed or this is who they are, but I can see things in each of my kids that are different, that are unique to them in their personality, even very young, that I'm like, hmm, he's got this trait, she's got that trait. I mean, I can see these little things in them, and you have those too. And they're not that hard to find. But they do need to be recognized. And so I want you to hear what this lady's response is when she's asked the question of what's in your house. She says, nothing at all. That would be some of your response when you hear about that God has a purpose for you. And I'd be like, yeah, you've got something. And even me saying, no, there's gifts in you. You'd be like, no, I don't. There's nothing at all that God could use in me. She says, nothing at all except. Some of you need to find your Accept. You need to find the thing that you have written off and said, that's not a big deal. Because God says, no, that's the very purpose and the very plan that I have for you. You've just lacked the recognition of that as an actual gift in your life to do what I've called you to do. Or maybe you just haven't been able to figure, maybe you do know what your gifts are, but you're like, I don't see how that works within the church. I don't know how that affects other people. I don't know how God could use this for the kingdom. 
Who gave you the gift? Who created you? He gave you those gifts for more than a way to make money. He gave you those gifts. He gave you those abilities. For what? To impact people. Some people have a gift of compassion. I have a gift of truth. Also known as bluntness, right? Just don't ask me a question if you don't want a straight answer. Because I'll try to be compassionate. This lady responds, she says, I have nothing except a flask of olive oil. And Elijah says, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your neighbors and from your friends. Says, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Says, pour the olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. This is so important. So she did what she was told. I know that sounds simple. But many times God will drop something in our heart. And a lot of times it's seeming, is almost like a thought. Just something that kind of comes and it's like, I should do this. I should look into that. I, I should, whatever it may be. And yet if we'll recognize it as the Lord leading us, he's actually trying to what? Help us take a step. Remember, God leads us in steps and stages. Well, he's going to lead you in steps. It's not always as much as in the way that we think. But yet it says here that she did what she was told. In other words, she was obedient, right? Said her, her hunt, sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. And she says, bring me another jar. She said to one of her sons, he says, there aren't any more. He told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. Says, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said, now go and sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. Now, this is just the goodness of God, but I can't just not acknowledge this. God didn't just provide for the need. He provided a more than enough. God is so good. God is so faithful. He didn't just give her enough money to pay the bill. He said, no, there's enough money to pay the bill and to take care of you and your sons. See, that, that is the way that God works. And so I want to give you four lessons quickly. Four lessons that I can extract from this that I believe not only apply to our purpose, but I also believe it applies to every area of our life, especially in the area of our faith. Anytime that we're believing God for something, these same four things will apply in every situation. So even if you know what your purpose is, or even if you don't care what your purpose is, but you're like, I do need God to work in some areas of my life, these will apply. So we're going to go through these fairly quickly. Number one is that she sought an answer from the right person. Proverbs tells us that wise people go and get counsel. But you don't want to just go talk to anybody. You want to talk to the right people. So she went and talked to what? The prophet. Well, I've got good news for you. I'm not your prophet. I may be your pastor, but I don't, I, you don't need to come to me and let me tell you what God says. Not saying that I wouldn't pray with you. Not saying that I won't tell you if the Lord spoke something to me. But you don't have to talk to me to hear from God. God wants to talk to you. And so the first thing that we ought to do is anytime that we're faced with anything is let's go to God because why? He has all wisdom. He knows exactly what we were created for and he can tell you exactly what you need to do. She did this. So she sought an answer from the right person. She didn't have the ability to hear for herself. So she went to him, right? But you can. Every single one of you can hear the voice of God. You're like, I... I've never done that. Doesn't mean you can't. And I would actually 
submit to you that God is actually speaking to you and you've probably heard it and not recognize that it was the Lord. So I'm actually not telling you to try to do anything you probably haven't already done. You're just not aware that that was the Lord speaking. I don't have time to preach on that, but. Number two. So number one was get counsel, get some wisdom, go to the Lord. Number two is that she already had what she needed to get started. She just didn't know it. I have nothing at all except. See, it was in her house. It was already there. You already have enough to take your first step. To move towards the very thing that God created you to do. You already have it. It's already there. You just got to recognize it. You got to be willing to, to really get started and to have that understanding. I love this old phrase and it says that little becomes much in the master's hand. Right? Is that what we think is little, God says, yeah, but I can work with that. And I'll turn it into something great. Here's another fun thing about God is that God is a God who multiplies. He doesn't just take what we have and be like, okay, well, I'll. He doesn't just add, he multiplies. The third lesson that I pull from this lady is this, is that she had to take a step of obedience. And what I've seen in my own life and what I've seen even in my time walking with people is that many times God will give us an instruction and our response is, that's not going to do anything. Why would I do that? It seems so insignificant. Why would God ask me to do, you know, I mean, just give you a a practical, easy thing here. If you've got a a bill for a hundred bucks and God says, I want you to give $10. Like God, I need a hundred and that $10 ain't enough to do anything with. Except that you serve a God who multiplies the seed that gets sown. And so many times what we, what we look at. And you can even go look in Mark chapter 11 where it talks about faith and talks about if you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed. It's one of the smallest seeds on the planet. But yet it grows into a large tree. The size of the seed does not determine the size of the harvest, right? Well, this is true in every area of your life. Let me give you an example. God may drop it in your heart to go to college. But guess what? Or maybe it's go back to college. Maybe it's to go finish a degree. Maybe it's whatever it may be. But guess what you got to do first? You got to go apply. Right? You don't just show up the first day of school and be like, all right, I'm here. God, did you register me? (laughs) Like, no. So you take your first steps. You start moving. It takes an act of faith. It takes an act of obedience. I mean, I, I would love to know what went through this lady's mind when he said, why don't you go look a little crazy and go get a bunch of empty jars? Like go to your neighbors and get as many jars as you can find. And I'm sure somebody had asked her, why do you want these jars? Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, I don't even want to tell you because this is ridiculous, but he told me to do it. And I'm desperate enough to do it. And unfortunately, many times we have to get to the point of desperation before we'll be obedient. How many of you know that's not God's best though? We don't have to wait till crisis to become obedient. Why not just say, all right, Lord, show me what to do and I'm going to take that step and I'm going to move forward. Here's the last one, number four. My last point of the, the things that I'm pulling from this scripture. And this is such a powerful one and it really 
think kind of wraps up the thought for today is this, is that the miracle wasn't in the prophet's hand. It was in hers. So many times we think, well, God's going to do this and God's going to use somebody else and somebody else is going to do this. And, and, and God saying, no, the miracle's actually in your hand. You're waiting on me and it's in your hand to do it. It's right there. And you say, well, man, it, it can't be that simple. I've seen it play out many, 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 many times where it really was that simple. Is that we have to take what? That step of obedience. And then we have to say, God, what do you need me to do? We have to be a willing vessel for God to work through. Right? And it's so important that we understand this. Is that God wants to be the source, but he chooses to work through us. Have you ever gone to somebody to try to get counsel or wisdom and then they give you the thought and you're like, well, I already knew that. Like that's, a, that's, that's just like you just needed that confirmation. Well, you already knew what you needed to do. But somebody else just gave you the confidence to move in that direction. See, here's what we have to know. And I'm going to simplify all of life into this is that at the end of all of our days, at the end of everything, once we breathe our last breath here on earth, it's not the end. The Bible tells us that we'll stand before the Lord. And that what? He's going to, for lack of a better term, evaluate our life. And the Bible says that there's going to be a moment where our life will be sitting right before God. And the Bible says that there would be fire that will come and it will consume everything that was of no value. And the Bible tells us that only what remains actually matters and actually counts. And I want to make sure that because, and I really believe that this is one of the questions. And it's really the question that God will ask. Did you do what I asked you to do? It's not complicated. It's not hard to figure out. Did you do the very thing I asked you to do? Did you do the thing that, I, that you were created for? That's the question. It's all that really matters. If you want to read where I just had that thought from, you can write it down in your notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. We're not going to read it for the sake of time, but it talks about that, hey, that life, it's there for a moment. And God's going to look at it. See, this, this really does matter to God. And it matters to us because you were built on purpose for a purpose. But you've got to discover it. You've got to follow it. And it's just simple steps. Ask people. Get wisdom. Get counsel from the right people. Not just anybody. From the right people. Find out what God has created you for. Begin to take steps in that direction. Begin to take those steps of obedience towards what God has for you. And then to be, begin to believe God. The God that I can't do this. But you can. And you're going to do it through me. And that is the heart of God. Is that God wants to use every one of us so that we can influence and impact those around us. Because God wants us as individuals as well, not just on a Sunday or not just on some random moment. God wants to use us to touch those around us. And he will. We just have to be willing and ready to be used. And he'll be faithful. He's going to help you. He helps me all the time, trust me. 
He'll be faithful to you. He's going to help. He's going to give you the right words to say. He's going to, and you're going to be able to influence people. And you'll even, people come to you for answers and you'll give them an answer and be like, well, where did that come from? From the Lord. But you got to be just willing to say, all right, Holy Spirit, I submit. I, I surrender to you. 